Hello, and welcome to The Board Librarians, Episode 6, Carpe Diem, a game by Stefan Feld. We're The Board Librarians. I'm Brian. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're here to talk about... Board games! And today, we're once again joined by a very special guest. It's another co-worker who works in the library. We are here to introduce a very special person, a very good friend named Taryn. Hello, hello, hello. Taryn is an unwilling victim on this podcast. I kind of dragged her here to play. And Taryn, why don't you tell us your background on board games? Um, I'm pretty much involved with a lot of classics. I don't really play these type of board games, but I am a good sport. So I'm here to support Yay. my coworker. <laughs> I asked her and I said, will you be on the podcast? And she said yes. She didn't even ask any questions. And I was nervous about having her on because I know she doesn't like these kind of games. I tried to pick a game that I thought she would like, but ultimately I didn't. I just picked a game that I thought I would like. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we played Boggle a lot in yes. the past. Give me some Scrabble. Give we had Monopoly. Well, not maybe not Monopoly. But. We spent many a fine break playing Boggle, and Turin is excellent at Boggle. She, she is. She has really good word skills. Oh, thank you, sir. And this is a completely different kind of game. And how long have we known each other? Wow, like probably like 14 years? 14? Yes. Probably about 14 years. You may notice a pattern because in the previous episode, we had people we've also known for a really long time. That means that I can keep my friends for a long time, which is a good skill, I think. Yes. He lures us in with the board games. People don't get sick of me very quickly. <laughs> Some people do, though. It depends on the person, honestly. So let's dive into the board game, and then we're going to do a little book review that Elizabeth has. And then we're going to talk about board game party etiquette. What kind of etiquette should you have at game nights? How should you behave? So Carpe Diem is a board game that's two to four players, and it takes place in ancient Rome. It's a very loose theme. In the game, you're going to be selecting tiles from a circle. There's 28 tiles divided into seven groups of four. And on your turn, you're going to select one of those tiles. You're going to move your little Roman guy to the left or the right, and you're going to pick a tile, and you're going to put it on your board. And you have to have the tiles match. You have to have grass to grass and building to building. And when you complete certain buildings, you get certain resources. There's fields, which give you grapes, leaves, uh, fish, and what's the other? Chickens. And then there's buildings, and each building gives you a special power, and then you move up on the banderole track. And for those of you who don't know what a banderole is, a banderole is a Roman scroll. That's your word of the day. And so you're trying to collect these different buildings, and ultimately there's different goals. And the goals are basically there's about 12 goals on the board, and you have to select two at a time. You put your disc between two goals, and then when you do that, you lose four points if you don't complete a goal. So you start the game with some points because you can lose points real easy in this game. And when you get the points, you're going to score based on how many times you can complete the goal. And you can substitute bread in instead of the resources that you need or instead of the goal. So that's a basic, very basic overview. There's a lot more. There's fountain cards, which give you points. But let's start with Turin. What did you think about the game as a whole? There was a lot of pieces. <laughs> I was on. a little scared at the beginning. I'm like, wow, more pieces? More pieces? Oh, more pieces. Oh, I have to put the pieces here. Oh, i got to build a board. It wasn't that bad. I was a little scared. So your first impressions first. your first impressions were not a positive impression. I didn't show it on my face. I, no, you uh, did. You I did. did. You're I like, I was being very oh, like, stoic. I no, I got a several, oh, Brian, more pieces? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. she kept saying that. I'm just ignored her. <laughs> Elizabeth, what was your first impression of the game? Actually, I feel like we were both kind of like, oh, boy, because also Brian was kind of hyper when we were yes, setting up the game. Yeah, three cups of coffee. Not. <laughs> he was pretty hyper, like, I don't drink talking coffee. a lot about the rules. And um, But looking at the pieces, 
I felt that this was a game that you could dive in, but I kept forgetting about the goals. So it's like building the, I like this game because of the building the, your board. I always like those where you match the buildings and try to accomplish something, but I kept forgetting about the goals. So, um, that was the part that I guess, no, you did explain that. I just, yeah, I just kept forgetting about it. This well, is a oh, go on turn. Well, it was like eight pages of directions and we, we digested it in like five, ten minutes. I mean, that's all. Well, let's be honest. So, At the end of the game, did you feel like you understood what you were doing? Pretty much, but we did love your assistance. Yes. <laughs> I did offer some helpful assistance. I didn't tell them what to do on their turns, and I have to point out that Turin was completely, she made all the decisions on her own. I didn't tell her this is a better move. She made her own decisions, and for someone who doesn't play these kind of games, I was very impressed that she jumped right in, and she did point out something. She's like, oh, I have to move on this track, or oh, I get this. She understood it by the end, which is hard, because these kind of games are really not designed for people who don't play these kind of games. They're really, they're intimidating so yes. I was impressed by that. I mean, we didn't Elizabeth... lose any pieces because Brian doesn't want us to lose any pieces. No, we check the floors very carefully when we're done, <laughs> wherever I go. And I have found pieces on the floor, and I freak out a little bit when I find them because these games are – you can't lose a piece. I get very upset about that. So that was definitely uh, – you know, it, I thought it was a good play. I thought that the game is very simple, but the actual game – like the decisions you make are very deep. Does anyone agree or disagree yes. with that? Like. You just pick a tile, you put it on your board, but in the end, you have to try to complete different buildings, and if you have to pick the right tiles. It's good to have you as the leader to tell us about points and stuff, because, I mean, if I play this game a couple more times, I probably will figure out what I need to do to earn, you know, to get points, earn money, but you were a good leader of the board. Thank you. I have to say that this is my third time playing this, and the, the first two times I lost, and I have to say also that I learned from my mistakes. The first two times I played this, I didn't complete any goals the first turn, and I made sure I focused on the goals. So I think there's a huge advantage to being playing this game multiple times because you start to know what to look for. And I think that's kind of important. Now let's talk about the artwork. So let's look at the box, all of us. What do you think of the box, car, uh, the box cover art, Elizabeth? So the box cover, uh, I had asked Brian earlier what theme our game was going to be because I wanted to be able to think of books that went with that theme. So it has a nice Roman cover. Yeah. But the board, it doesn't really have as much of a Roman theme, so I kind of forgot that we were supposed to be in like Rome. So you're trying to say yeah. the game isn't very theme thematic. The the cover of the boxes, but I felt like the game itself, I felt like I was more farming. Like, I, I don't Only know. Only the bandable thing is probably what made, would yeah. probably well, indicate that. Well, it's not like they had cell phone towers. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a modern game. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, the board, I don't know. I feel like... Maybe at had Roman pieces. You green. can earn weapons and stuff. It's very green. I'm looking at the, the board. I took a picture of my board on my phone, and I'm looking at it, and, and my board was very green. When I think of ancient Rome, I think of, like, sand and crumbling buildings. Well, maybe yeah. this is the nicer part of Rome. Do you ever think of that? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Somebody loves their board game. <laughs> maybe this is not the slums of Rome where they're living in the dirt. Maybe this is the fields of green. Rome wasn't built in a day, but we yeah. did a lot of building in an hour. Okay. And this is a building. What did you think about the pieces? Were they nice pieces? Were they solid? The yeah. people, the, the meeples were kind of cool because they were shaped <laughs> like a guy and what did... I didn't like the bread. They it didn't look like bread. They technically don't wear togas, right? The bread looked, the, what, what the bread looked scrumptious. The well, bread looked like 
trees when you cut like them. bark. Yeah. Yeah, like, like they look oh, like, no, no, like a circle. They have the trunk of a tree when yeah, you cut it. it. Yes, they didn't really look like bread. I feel like we should have had loaves. Yes. Loaves. Well, you know what? I guess, I don't know. I don't have a good comment for that. But um, <laughs> I thought that it was, um, I thought the pieces weren't bad. I mean, this company, Ravensburger, they make puzzles. If you weren't aware of that, they make like big puzzles. And their games are not known for their flashy components. But I think the components did the trick. I just kept thinking yeah, it wasn't tree bad. Rings, So that's the thing is like I kept thinking trees. And then it was like, no, this is bread. So, well, they pump out a lot of games. Does this the guy who this is the company? But you said the designer Stefan Feld makes yeah. a lot of games, and he's one of my favorite designers. I have about maybe so, I, I would say about twelve. He's a James James Patterson of games. No, because he oh. actually designs his own games. He oh, doesn't okay. he doesn't pass yeah. off his, his games to other people oh, like okay, James okay. Patterson. Okay. He's not a shadow <laughs> author. No oh, okay. offense to James Patterson fans. Sorry, Patterson fans. Is it like Patterson heads? <laughs> Patterheads. I feel like he has a lot of different fans because he yeah, he has adults, like kids books now, he young has, adults, children. I can't. I have to say this is completely off tangent, off topic, and I'm going off on a tangent on this. But I don't have a lot of respect for authors who don't write their own books. He's a rich person. I met him once at an author event. It was at Book Expo, and he was just standing there holding a piece of cake, and it was like really strange. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He was like holding a piece of cake. Well, you know, and, you start off with being as a you know, author, you write your stuff. You write your you stuff become and you become popular. You got, maybe he has an idea chart. And then he does. He gets the idea and somebody makes it into a book. But he has his name on it and his name is what sells it. But in reality, he's, people aren't buying his books. They're well, it's like ghostwriters, right? Yeah. He's, he's feeding other people. So he's helping the, the, what do you call it? The writing society. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. He is. Starving artist. One of my favorite yes, authors. Yes, starving artist. The Babysitter's Club, Anna M. Martin. She didn't write all her own books, and I was very horrified to find that out. <laughs> Did you know that, Elizabeth? I know that I've been doing NaNoWriMo. This is going to be my fourth year coming up, and I'm still working on the same story. <laughs> I keep like rewriting it like, this is terrible, but I like this stuff I have. Let's just keep rewriting it. So it's like, <laughs> this is year four, and I, I still have an ending. My first draft, they went to Taco Bell, so <laughs> we went off. We went off on a tangent. So back to Carpe Diem. <laughs> so Carpe Diem. So are we ready to rate it? Well, what's the scale? Are you gonna give me so a scale? So our new board librarian scale is zero to nine. Zero is a very bad game, and nine is the best game you've ever played. Not perfect though, because there's no perfect game, but it's very close to perfect. So let's start with Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Okay. Tell us why you rated this game the way you did, and what is your rating? Before you tell us what your rating is, tell us why. Okay, I like this game. I liked it. I just, um, you know, there's several goals or ways you can work towards goals. If you build a fountain, you get your own private goals. You have the goals that are on the board, and then around your own player board, you have ways to get points at the end. So I forgot to mention that. Yep. I was working a lot towards my personal board goals and then also the ones on my fountain cards i kept forgetting every round about the other goals that you could either gain points or lose points so i kept screwing up on that but i feel like in the end i kind of made up for it i didn't win but i feel like i kind of held my own with my individual board i like these games i like these kinds of games where you're building things and i feel like it was quick to pick up it was kind of self-explanatory where you connect buildings and want to finish them so i'm going to give it let's say like an eight. Wow. Okay. So I'll go next then to him. We'll be last. So Carpe Diem in the pantheon of Stefan Fell games, this game is probably in my top five. I thought it was really fun. I like how it's quick gameplay, deep, deep strategy. Some of his games like Bora Bora, which I don't know if 
Oh, is this played or not? But that one has. It sounds familiar. I think I played it. Very complicated. Very, very um, hard to follow. This game is one of his easiest games, but it's also one of the deepest. And I like games where you could just dive in. And everyone I've played it with so far, although we haven't found out what Tumin thinks yet, has liked it. And I think that it's definitely a hit. There's actually two games that came out. There's another one called Forum Trajanum. I almost bought that one instead, but this one was better rated, and I'm glad I chose this one. So. That being said, I really like this game, and I would probably give it an 8.5. It's very close to perfect for me. I think it's an excellent game, and it's a game that I definitely want to keep in my collection. We were actually like on the same wavelength on that one. Turin. Wow. Like you said, um, playing these type of games, you really have to be into that. You know, I'm used to playing classic games. So I would say it wasn't horrible. It was fine, but it was a lot of different things to look at. Like, I was feeling a little overstimulated just because I don't play these games like this and a lot of pieces and the boards, and I have to look at this board and know that board. Um, so I would say for a beginner, I made it through, and it wasn't horrible. So I would rate it um, a five. What? <laughs> well, I'm a beginner. I don't play these. like A deep- five? Brian. Okay, that's not that bad, actually. Well, five, like based on, five based on my beginner status. If five I is... was somebody who played these games regularly, it probably would be something different. But I don't usually play games that have so many pieces. Oh, here's a question <laughs> for you. Here's a question. Well, first of all, I'm going to say something right now. Monopoly has a lot of pieces. No, I don't really like playing Monopoly. Okay, fair. <laughs> Scrabble has a lot of pieces. Well, there those are, are pieces, but they're letters. There's 26 so. letters and, and I can move alphabet. around. I can move around from the table and go get a drink and not forget what happened. You could go and, up. You could get up from the table for this game. Uh, I had to concentrate. You. I had to concentrate. So <laughs> I had to really be well, very focused okay. on what I was doing. Okay, okay, okay. Let me ask you a question then. Would you play it again? I would play it again. Okay, that's all I want to know. That's good. Yeah. All right. Goodness. <laughs> so now. He's like. Oh. Okay, that was our first. <laughs> button again. And now it's Hit time it for something Hit really it. exciting. It's time for <laughs> book reviews with Elizabeth. Oh, I get my own like intro for that. <laughs> so there is, I should have um, looked up the author because I'm always blanking out on the author's name, but with the Roman theme, there is a trilogy called, is it a trilogy? No, there might be four. Bad library moment. An Ember in the Ashes. And it's been getting a lot of hype because it's based off of the Roman Empire and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. It's one of those books that takes place from two points of view. I should have, like, screenshot the cover because I always forget the author's name. I'm always recommending it to students and walking down, up and down the aisle. And I'm like, I know it's in this location. The author's last name begins with a T. Teapot. No, I think it's to here. T A H I R. I can't look it up on my phone because we have no service. It's this. teapot. No. An Ember in the Ashes, though, it's a pretty cool read. It's two point of views that it flips back and forth from. There's Laia, who her brother was just taken by the guards because her brother was believed to be a traitor. And um, her she comes from a family of scholars, so her brother was taken away. And then there's Elias, who's the other point of view that you see and he is actually one of the guards and he comes from a line of them and his mom and grandfather are very hard on him and he has a soft spot for Laia and people like them so it's a really cool story I only read the first one so far my students anyone that's read it I work in high school by the way 
they all have zipped through the first three books. Mm. I think the fourth one is coming out in the spring. So there's a big cliffhanger, supposedly. So it's a series. Yes. I think it ends at book four, but I know it ends on a cliffhanger, so I've also been pacing myself, so I'm not, like, waiting for the fourth book. Like, I'm okay where the first book left off. But it, I believe, is also optioned to be a movie, so that should be exciting when that comes out. Let's sing the song about your books now. I didn't write a song. I did my homework. I did. Oh. She took a look at all her books, Elizabeth's board game books. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the applause <laughs> button. <laughs> 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 okay, so we're going to talk about board game game night etiquette. Board game etiquette and game night etiquette. So let's talk about a few things. The first thing that's most important is if you come to a game night, should you bring snacks or should you – what do you think? Let's talk about that first. Well, I believe it's – for any party, you should bring something. You should bring something. I have I mean, perfect attendance mm. for bringing snacks. Or you perfect, do. I, well, whatever you call it. Like, I've been prepared every time I have come over to play board games. And it's frequent. Like, how many, like, do you have a lot of board game nights? Uh, if it's once a week. And, yeah, if once a week, I want to buy, like, a bulk and just leave it at your house if it's once a week. I mean, like, as, as a host, I kind of, I, I feel that I provide the games, I provide the space, I provide the electricity, I generally provide the paper. Well, <laughs> oh, yes. are we going to play we games in the dark? We did lose power once. Yes. We did lose Actually, power Actually, you know what? If people risk. are rude, I'm going to turn off the power on them. No. Um, so do I expect people to bring snacks every time? Yes. But if you don't, will I talk about you? Probably. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's horrible. No. The truth is, is that I, I would like it if you brought something. If you come to my house, you should bring a snack. And if you come empty-handed once in a while, it's okay. But I think that especially if you're going to be eating other people's food, you should bring something. I've gone to – Elizabeth and I used to go to this game night at a Saturday night in a church in Smithtown, which is a town on Long it's Island. very specific. Yes, I know. D- don't try to find us. Um, and <laughs> we, um, we, we used to go, and they had this giant shelf of food, right? Yeah. And I never brought any food. But one time we did, but if I bring food and – if I don't bring food and I show up, I don't eat it because I feel guilty because I shouldn't be taking someone else's food if, if, if I'm not bringing anything. And I think that's kind of – I don't make that rule in my house, but I think it's polite to bring something when you come to someone's it's house. It's polite, but the predominant reason you're there is play board games. And if we're all focused on if somebody to bring a snack, it takes away from the fun part. So I think that it would be nice if somebody brought something, but if they didn't, it shouldn't stress – it shouldn't be a big deal if it's enough it's not a big just deal. to it's pass not a around. Deal. The you other mean? thing – the other thing is you should also bring snacks that are board game friendly, and this is yeah. something most people have common sense about this, but don't bring cheese doodles. Mm-hmm. Don't bring anything that has, like, very drippy stuff. Like, yeah. if you bring mozzarella sticks with marinara sauce and you're eating them over the, my board games, I'm going to have a little freak out. <laughs> yes. The other thing also is I don't like when people leave drinks by the table. People do that, and I've had one game that Elizabeth... Castles lo- of Burgundy. Elizabeth loved this game, and my friend who I will not mention his name on this podcast, but he he brought over the game. He bought, he bought it. He, we were playing the it's game. It's a he. He and, was drinking iced tea. And he walked slowly to the table, and as he walked, I don't know how, the drink like fell th- through the air. And, like, it was like in slow motion, and it doused the entire board game, and I was like, okay, this game is ruined. Do you think you should invest? Like Maybe this could be a gift you give to your board game friends, a thermos, a bottle with like 
you know, the little well, pop-up things where they, they just put that by the desk. No, when and they, they fill it up and they cup. don't. You can still yeah. knock it. <laughs> a grown-up sippy cup? No, Why not? See, you can still knock those over. What I think is but that. They don't spill. No. I knock mine over so many times. What, they people, never spill. what people usually do is they either bring <laughs> bottles of water or if I give them glasses of water, they leave them on the counter behind them. It's very close. They just have to reach behind them and get them. And that's the safest way to do this because these games are expensive. And I would feel horrible if I ruined someone else's game. So you should feel horrible, too. If you're playing someone else's board game, do not keep your drinks near the game if possible because people are klutzes. And you know what? The other recently, I'm not going to – one of our former guests, and she came to my house, and she left a drink by the table, and I almost knocked over her drink. So it was my clutchiness, but the thing is the drink was near me, and I almost knocked it over, and then she kept it on the side. So I think that you should definitely be cognizant of that because these games are expensive. What's another rule? Let's talk about – I think it's talk about food. Go ahead. Okay. I did bring food, but I'm just saying there's some games, too, where there's different types of food. There's dessert foods. There's snack foods. But I find some games, when you have snack foods right there, that it's very easy to, like, indulge and just grab, like, fistfuls of pretzels, especially if it's a game where you're, like, anticipating your turn and it gets very stressful and then you wind up eating too many pretzels and get a stomach ache. So it really has nothing to do with etiquette, but I know sometimes I'm like, I can't start snacking otherwise i'm gonna get a super bad stomach ache i'm not a big fan of snacking while i'm playing honestly like i know brian has rules right tell him about your rules about like when to eat dessert and when you can't have dessert no i've gotten better about that oh you have okay he told me like itinerary he's like oh they ate snacks before everybody else ate snacks i'm like brian it's a party no we have dessert dessert whenever you want to have dessert no we have dessert usually after a certain game but so the next thing i want to talk about is Let's talk about a very hot-button topic, and I actually listened to a YouTube video of a guy named Jamie Stegmeyer, who is a board game creator, and he talked about board game etiquette. That's kind of where I got inspired by this. He's probably never going to listen to this, so it doesn't matter if we say this, but he's a cool guy to watch his videos. But anyway, so he was talking about cell phones at the table. So, Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I have... I. Okay, so I think cell phones are acceptable in one of three circumstances. One, if you're taking pictures of the game. Two, if you have an emergency. Or three, if you're like me. When I take out my phone during a game, I'm recording the scores with my board game stats app. I am not. If you're on your phone in between your turns, that means, A, you're not paying attention to the game, and maybe you're bored, which is fine. And, B, that when it's your turn, you're going to be like, what? Oh, my turn? Huh? Oh, oh, sorry. So, and most of my friends don't do this. It hasn't been a problem, but I have noticed in the past some it's people happened. have. And yeah. I think it's annoying. What do you guys think? I think it would be annoying. I hate when people do it when I go out to eat with them and they just look at their phone. on their phone all the time. So, I mean, I don't play board games like that anymore. I don't have much time, but I would imagine it would be annoying because it annoys me when I go out to restaurants and they're on their phone. Yeah, and I know like I'm like, sometimes. are we together? Are you on the phone? Are you on the phone with somebody else? And you're like pretending to have dinner with me. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> definitely applies to a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, I know like sometimes my mom will text me a question, or somebody will text me a question, and I know I'm gonna forget to like write back. I do it to Brian. Brian texted me yesterday about when we were meeting here, and I read it and forgot to hit send because I was running around. So like sometimes I like I'm terrible about remembering to do things or reminding someone to do something later. So, like, if I don't do it right then, I'm going to forget. But we've had cases where we were playing games and Snapchat, (laughs) (laughs) when Snapchat, I guess, was, like, new. Yeah, I mean. That became very distracting. It takes away from the game, and I think that it just shows that you're not really respecting the people around you. I mean, part of the reason I like to play games is because it's not screen-based. I actually 
we used to play a lot of video games, and then I started playing board games, and I realized that board games are great as a social activity, but my video games are my solo activity, and I'd play board games so I could look at my friends' lovely faces and get away from the screens. I don't want to have to stare at them staring <laughs> at their screens. Why is that funny? Oh. I, I don't want to. I don't want to watch you looking at the screen. So, this is the moral of the story, listeners. Put away your phones while you're playing games, unless it's game related. Like if you're looking up a rule of the game, keep your phone out. That's fine. But if you're sitting there checking YouTube, you're on Facebook. Do it later. You can do it in your own privacy of your own home, <laughs> not while you're supposed to be socializing. Yeah, this also segues into another rule What's about that? like turn length. <laughs> it does because it well sometimes it's affected by being on the phone but the other time it's also just so you won't lose your cool you play this, your phone you know what it is <laughs> you're not really thinking about what you're gonna do when everybody else is making their turn and you're kind of like daydreaming and then it gets to you and you're like oh um and then you're taking forever like i know sometimes i haven't figured out what i'm gonna do and usually when it gets to me i'm like uh 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 i'm thinking i'm thinking and like i do feel rushed but um, usually Brian's like, it's okay. But I try to be mindful of turn length. We do try to be mindful of turn length, but so, not everybody Well, is. that's my problem with Scrabble is that some people take so long, so, so usually you try to put three people to a board. There's, <laughs> there's a gaming term for that. It's called analysis paralysis. It's actually a psychological term. It's basically when you're paralyzed with what you should do on your turn, and you basically take a really long time. I think that... There's two different forms of it. There's ones who act, people who are actually thinking about their turns, and then there's people, like Elizabeth said, who space out, and they're not even paying attention. It's like, oh, it's my turn, and they take forever. And that's when people start pulling out their phones, and honestly, I'm not sure if I could blame them. If you're playing a game, and unless the board state changes dramatically between turns, like if the game looks dramatically different when it's your turn, and it's like things change on the board, that's fine. Like Scrabbles, for example, you can't really plan your turn out too much because you don't know what people are going to be putting down on the board. But in this game, you could plan out your turn pretty well unless someone takes what you want. No, you just have people who lag. Like, I've played board games with people where they they take too long. Like, you're like, you want to scream at them at some point. It's like, are you going to go? Are we still playing? Should I go to the bathroom? (laughs) Do you need a break? Do I need to go smoke a cigarette? I don't know. But you don't smoke. Smoking is... I'm just saying saying that as like a, like, you need to take some type of break. Smoking is bad. Okay, okay. Where people are paired up and they're like... People are working in teams. <laughs> people yes. are working in teams because it's such like uh, there's the limit to how many people can play. Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, what do you want to do?" And at one point, I was like, "They don't care." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. flipped out before. Yeah, that's why I, I play board games. But if it's long-winded like turns, I'm just like I get yeah. I get distracted very easily. So I'll just be like looking at the ceiling. And so here's a question. Attention. What is the best way to deal with someone like that? Do you not play with them, or do you say, okay, you have a time limit? Because you don't want to make someone not have a good time. Playing a game is ultimately about having fun, and the thing is, they may be having fun, but you're not having fun, so the question is, what do you do as a solution? Does anyone have a good solution we can offer to people? I feel like we haven't had an issue in a while, because... Well, turn length... Okay, let's think about it. How long should it take you to, you know, take a turn? I mean... You, we all know when it's too long. I mean, you you get that you get that feeling where you just like you get you start to get distracted. So when you start to feel feel that, I don't know what you can say to somebody like you're taking too long. I mean, my family I can say that too, but friends are you gonna really tell them you're, you're slow? <laughs> well, I was playing. I'll tell you a little anecdote. I don't think this person's listening to the podcast. I'm not gonna mention names, but we were playing Code Names, which is a game where you have to guess different words. And I played this at my birthday party two years ago. And I'm terrible at this game when I'm on Brian's team. I actually got rid of my copy, so we're not gonna be playing anymore. But um, 
So codenames, there's a timer, and I've never seen one use it, but someone got very impatient with this particular person, and they turned over the timer on them, and I was like, oh, wow, that's oh, bad. I do, I do vaguely remember doing that. So my advice, if you have a friend who takes a long time on their turn, I suggest you find something else to do with them, not board games, because if they're going to annoy you, they're going to annoy other people, and as much as you like them, there may be other things you can enjoy doing. Go for a nice walk with them. Have a nice dinny poo. Could I ask you something? Do you ever think that you have a game night that's a little bit more interactive and like moving around versus like trying different games? I know your games require you to sit down and be very still and not. Do you have any games that are like Brian's birthday is usually my birthday? Well, that's him getting gifts. (laughs) No, but we play a lot. We play a lot of party games. Okay, okay. Typically, Turin doesn't come to my game nights, but. The more people who come, the lighter the games are. That's the rule because yeah. most of my complicated games are two to four players like Carpe Diem. But the games that are more complicated, like we play Wits and Wages, which is like a trivia game. and America. We, America. We don't have America anymore. Well, but that was one of them. We have a couple of games that are lighter. The Seven more people who come, though, the less complicated the games are, which is generally true. And maybe the next episode, our topic can be party games. We can talk party about party games. games. Well, because I like to move around. Like my idea of like a board game party, it's like I move around, I interact in different ways. I'm not really good at sitting so still and very focused for, like, hours at a time. I'll get bored. That's why I don't come. Because I don't want to ruin this game night. I'll get bored. And then I'll be like, I have to go home because I'm bored. Well, we don't play for more than four hours. Yeah, (laughs) sitting still for four hours. We need to have one game that requires us to... We can move and not have to think so hard you for can like go to the five ba- minutes. You can go to the bathroom. And hide. That's exciting. And go hide in the bathroom. The bathroom is Use available. Your phone. <laughs> <laughs> With the light in my face, the blue light, like, ooh, ah. I mean, I'm you know what, though? I'm free now. I'm free. <laughs> Board game nights are not for everyone. And so let, let's say there are any other rules we want to talk about. We have talked about cell phones. We talked about snacks. We talked about taking a long time on your turns. Um... I think another thing is to be respectful of other players. Don't get angry during a game. Don't take it seriously. It's just a game, and we're all there to have fun. I know we've joked around, like, tonight we joked around a lot about um, taking each other's pieces. Like, oh, I was going to take that one, but, like, we weren't really angry. But angry. We were teasing each other, like, some oh, players get ang- Some take. players are legit angry. They actually get angry about the game. I, you took that. It's my piece. And I'm like, no, it's not your piece. And this game, we're not playing the game to help you win. We're playing to help ourselves win. And the game is a game. It's competitive. And we're not working to help the, a person win. Yeah. Yeah. You all agree? I mean, I think that we do it to have fun, and obviously we all like to win, because who doesn't like to win? But in reality, I'm okay with losing. If I really like the game, I like playing it, and it's just about the experience, and I especially like this game, going back to Carpe Diem for a second, because you don't know who's winning until the very end. And Turin kept saying, Brian's winning, and I did win, but... Ah! I said it too, though. I was like, no, winning. but then Elizabeth got a lot of points from her border tiles, and I was very surprised about that. And I was like, "Oh, she got twenty-five points." I'm like, "I better watch out for that girl." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that I like that in the game. I like that. I like surprise endings. So I think that was um, something I enjoyed about it. So I guess we're gonna wrap this episode up. Yeah, I think we covered all our. Um our points. Unfortunately, this is releasing the week of Halloween. We do not have a spooky episode, but we are going to be having our, in our 10th episode, which is actually a few episodes away, we're going to be having our top 10 games, which is going to be fun. Elizabeth and I are just going to be on the show, and we're going to talk about our top 10 games, and we're not going to reveal each other's games, and we can make nasty comments, not nasty, but we can make critical comments on each other's lists, which I'm sure I will, and she'll make them on mine. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun, but we'd like to first thank 
the Sachin Public Library for allowing us to use their beautiful space once again. We love coming here. And most importantly, we'd like to thank our very special guest, Turin. Thank you. Um, thank you, guys. It was so much fun. We might, have you, we might have you back again. And one of my oh, you might. Don't thank you very we much. We will. We will. It was so much fun. One of my listeners, Melissa, I'm giving her a shout-out, wants me to do a Classic Games episode. And yes, me too, me too. So we'll maybe have, we'll have we a Classic. have her back for that. Then. She lives in Maryland, but I think we're going to have her for the, for the episode, and we're going to um, have her talk about Classic Games. So thank you again for listening to The Board Li- Librarians. Follow us on Instagram at Board Librarians, and we're the Board Librarians at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on your various podcast sources. Leave a five star review on iTunes. Thank you very much, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Goodbye. <laughs>